Hey guys, welcome back to Heal, Survive, and Thrive. I'm so excited that you're here. Today we have a special guest, Tracy. Tracy, hi, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So I'm excited to have a really like organic chat. I feel like so often when I have people on here, there's always like this topic that we're talking about. And I would love to just hear about your journey, who you are, what's worked for you, what hasn't worked for you. Because I think we all go through different experiences and we all sometimes get to the same place, but that journey getting there just looks different and finding out really what has helped each person, I think is really what this channel is about is what has worked for me may not work for you. And so us sharing each other's stories um, is insightful and it helps people out there that are listening regarding things that they're going through that have been similar to both you or I. So if you would like, please just tell us like a briefing about yourself um, and what led you to where you are today. Well, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> it's like, do you start when you're like five? Well, or, when I was you know? five years old. I... <laughs> um, no, I know. Yeah. Okay. So, and I can talk about anything, so I have no problem sharing. It's just like, well, where do I start the sharing? So, Love it. um, yeah. So when I was a kid, I was an entrepreneur as a kid. Okay. So I have that aspect going on, right? I was always making stuff and trying to sell it and, you know, and I did, and I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur, but it just seemed fun. And yet, yeah, at the same time, I always had to be the leader. So we had a club. I have to be the leader, you know, <laughs> We have that in common. <laughs> okay. And then on the other hand, though, I was extremely insecure. I had anxiety. Um, I didn't really, you know, when I was a kid, they weren't really saying, Hey, this kid has anxiety. I just had all these stomach issues and they didn't really yep. know what was my problem. Yeah. Nervous belly, nervous belly is what my mom called it. Yep. And that was mine. And for years I had it. And it's interesting because I was in school, like the smart kid. And I tried to be funny because I thought I was like, the most hideous looking person. Like I'd look in the mirror and be like, Oh my God, I'm so ugly. Who's going to ever want to talk to me. I just felt like I was worthless and nothing, even though I did these other things, you know, I guess I was a, as a kid, kind of like imposter syndrome without knowing I had imposter right. syndrome. That sounds right? About right. Actually. Yeah. I never actually came up with that, but, um, you know, and then I grew up and I got married and I had kids and my first marriage was just, um, I don't know how you put it, but I was emotionally unavailable, but I didn't think it was my problem. I thought it was him. I thought he was the issue. And so we were married for eight years. I had three kids. I, you know, got married in my very early twenties. And what is interesting is that I, I thought I was self-aware. I mean, this is the joke. Thought I was self-aware, thought I really was smart, you know, knew all this stuff. And then when I left my marriage and I was 30 and I'm like, okay, I don't know anything. I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground, you know, yeah. um, because I had anxiety, uh, like panic attack anxiety. You know, I had, um, all of these issues around relationships. Like I came out and I had, I didn't realize I had used sex a lot when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a tool, like I was not emotionally connected to it. So if I had sex with somebody, I was never attached. And yet when I came out of my marriage, I thought I could use these same techniques and mm. it didn't get me anything. Not give me the same results. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not getting the same feeling anymore. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty much like that. So, you know, that was basically me prior to getting on the journey of what the hell is happening inside of me and what, 
you know, more of a, a spiritual journey, I would say, um, an emotional journey. And I've had like a ton of ups and downs. I mean, I've gone from having a six figure corporate job to being penniless and having to live on someone's couch to having all these insecurely attached relationships that were just like living in hell. Um, you know, all of these things. And along the way I became a coach and I became a coach by accident. So, um, <laughs> I say by accident, cause I thought, how can you ever make money as a coach? But you know, did it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and when I went through the training, it was 14 years ago, uh, it was really interesting because it, people were like, you know, you're a natural coach. And I'm thinking, I'm still not convinced that I'm going to actually do this for a living. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to make money at this again? How am I going to make money? And, you know, I didn't realize I had like severe money issues in, you know, along with the relationship issues. So yeah. So that's basically what happened. And then when I became a coach, I still lost everything. Um, and I still had to basically build who I really was from mm -hmm. the ashes of who I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And that was a long, long journey. And so now I've had my business for 14 years. Uh, you know, it's helping people globally. Um, I'm remarried and I have a healthy relationship and there's all sorts of other things going on. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but right, that's right, a right. good start. <laughs> what, what do you think was like the most, if you can think of like a point where you would hit so much pain that you said, holy shit, like something needs to change, like, or, or just that, that pain point that you hit, do you know what that was for you? I had it more than once because, you know, people will say they have the dark night of the soul. That's what, you know, right. people use. Right. Um, more than once. So one time was when I was losing everything, literally it was losing the place I was living in. Um, you know, my kids were pretty much grown at this point, but they still live with me and they had, I wasn't going to have a place for them to live. I was in this dysfunctional relationship. And I remember crawling across the floor, literally crawling across my floor and laying on the floor and feeling like there's nothing I can do. Like I couldn't get anything in me to want to get off the floor you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that was like the most pain I think I had ever been in yeah. because I'd lost, I mean, like here I was an adult going, Oh my God, I lost everything. How did, how have I done yeah. this? Right. Yeah. So that yeah. was a big point, but the turning point, you know, in terms of me understanding what I really needed to do was about, I guess it was about nine or 10 years ago. I was a coach already. Mm -hmm. And I was walking down the street one day and I'd been in this dysfunctional situation with this guy on and off. And what had happened was he'd been gone for a couple months. Um, I think at that time I had been, cause I'd always do that. Get out of my life. I can't take this anymore. Right. Okay, right. And then avoid, think, avoid. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then I would think I was getting over him and then he would show back like literally the next day. Like I go, Oh my God, I didn't think about him for a whole 24 hours. I must be getting over him. And I'd be so proud of myself and feeling like Yahoo. And I swear to you, that would be the day I would hear from him. And what struck me as I was literally on a walk, because I remember this so vividly I'm walking down the street and I get off the phone with him and I go, Oh my God the feelings I thought were gone for him mm. reappeared just like that. And I thought this isn't working, Tracy. Every time you get rid of him, doesn't get him out of your system. Every time you yeah. tell him to go away, doesn't do crap. So 
I realized in that moment, I went, okay, I made a promise to myself. I told myself I was going to commit to getting to a place of clarity and resolution because for me, that meant not breaking off with him when I get frustrated or sick of the crap that was going on. I needed to find out why I was there. I needed to understand what my emotional aspect was because I was so cut off from what was going on inside of me that it was probably the biggest learning experience of my life. And it didn't happen overnight. It took time because I really didn't understand my part in this dysfunctional situation. And so that was like the lightning bolt of wake up. It's you, you got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I think you touched on something that I think for everyone that's listening, you know, I talk a lot on my channel and on YouTube and everything about narcissistic abuse, emotional abuse, codependency. I mean, you know, it with, with self-development and spirituality, it, it goes, <laughs> it's not like you just learn one thing, you learn one thing, you feel like you're getting good at it, or you get this understanding of it. And then you need more and you need more and you're just, you're always growing and evolving. So everything has always evolved into another, but really understanding relationships and why we're attracted to people that for me, that was the deal breaker that the moment where I said, how did I attract you? And that was that self-reflection moment where I was like, okay, I I do understand you. You're not well, but like, (laughs) I'm here playing in the pool with you. So clearly I'm not the healthiest. (laughs) You know what I mean? I had to acknowledge that. And I think for a lot of people, they can't leave a person whether it's at the moment, whether it's financial, whether it's, they're just not ready to make the decision, whether it's their co-parenting, whatever, whatever. And I think the people that are in our lives, you, you touched on it when you said, when he was gone, I felt like I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then when he came back, you're like, oh shit, I'm actually not as good as I thought. And I hear this a lot from, from men and women, um, where they think they're doing good or they try to avoid something And I'm like, but you're not actually dealing with the root and you're not, you're, you're avoiding that reflection of saying, okay, well, what's going on inside that I need to either acknowledge, I need to heal from, I need to deal with. And I think people struggle with knowing what the hell to do with that. Okay, Steph, you want me to acknowledge, like, what do you, what do you want me to acknowledge? Um, I, I feel like even with therapy, when, if you've ever done therapy, unless you find someone who's really good. And by good, I mean, has gone through it because I don't think you can teach what you haven't gone through because then you're just memorizing terms and understanding stuff, quote unquote, versus having really walked through it and knowing empathetically what this person's going through. Those are the best coaches. I mean, quite frankly, those are coaches because coaches don't study this stuff unless they've actually done the work themselves, right? So with therapy, for me, I always found that I hit a point where I was like, okay, I've cried, I've acknowledged, but like now what? That now what part of going forward is where a lot of people struggle. I am right there with you on everything you just said, because I remember going to therapy. So when I lost everything, I, for some reason thought I'm going to look for a therapist, even though I had no money and I got very lucky because I went, um, I I called this woman and it was one of those, like, really, I I would call it like synchronicity. It was Mm -hmm. a situation where she took me on, but it was a situation where I would go there, I would vent and I'd walk out and I go, well, I feel a sense of relief, but I still have all this pain inside. I still have all of this shit inside. And so for me, the turn, when I had that turning point and the realization of how rigid I was, okay, like Mm -hmm. 
and people do this. I know I'm not the only one where you go, well, I'm not going to answer that text or I have certain rules around how I interact with people. That was such a bunch of bullshit. And Mm -hmm. so what I had to start doing, and I I gave myself a lot more anxiety in the beginning because I had to do scary things. I had to let go of that false control I thought I had, right? So I would share things with this person and he could have rejected me. He could have done anything. And I had to let go of the control of me not saying things that I knew would get a certain response. Instead, I had to actually speak truth. Like what was the authentic for a minute? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is, I mean, and for most people, it is scary because they play roles in life. And well, let me ask you this. What do you think it takes to be authentic? I think it takes a lot of self-awareness. And that means, you know, you, you have to not just look at yourself and see yourself through, let's say a filter of I'm okay. And everybody else is an asshole. You have to stop right. doing that. Right? right. And when you interact with somebody You need to look at what is it that's bothering me here and how can I reflect that back to me so I can see myself better rather than just judge somebody else. Because if you're judging other people anyways, then you're judging yourself too. And so we really have these, I'd say, dysfunctional relationships with ourselves because, you know, we're just, we're assholes to ourselves. And then, (laughs) you know, and then we expect other people to not be assholes to us, but people treat us how we treat us, you know? And so- That's what I mean. Like that self-awareness, self-awareness is really difficult when you're trying to please other people, when you're looking for validation, you know, it's a real problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. hundred percent agree. I think to be authentic, I always tell people self-awareness. Like I just got a phone with a client. I was like, you have to be aware. You cannot not be an alcoholic. If you haven't first said, hello, I'm an alcoholic. You know what I mean? Like right. you have to right. kind of acknowledge yeah. that. So I hundred percent agree with you. I think there's some, I don't just want to use the word bravery, but I think you have to be able to be aware of those conversations that are going on and be able to self-soothe and acknowledge what's true in the mind and what's not. And I think so many people, you know, we say these terms all the time in coaching and just even nowadays with social media, I mean, self-development and spirituality is everywhere. 10 years ago, I was like, what's codependency? Like you, there was nothing mm-hmm. like that. That's even, true. And we had all these outlets like Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. People weren't talking the way they talk now, um, which is great. But it was, for me, it was learning that kind of like, okay, not every thought is true. Not feeding every thought, being able to self-soothe, being able to be brave enough to have that conversation and say, this is actually me and accepting that. I mean, that's, I always tell people it's a practice. It's a practice because you've never done this before. And you have to, in these small interactions with people, learn how to be naked essentially and be like, this is me and be okay with it and detach from other people in healthy ways, right? Where your stuff is not my stuff and seeing the ego and hearing the ego that wants to judge someone else or myself. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I tell you like this stuff is work. Like this is not for the week and not saying that everyone's weak, but some people, for whatever the reason is, something happens in their life that kind of just says something needs to change. And it's different for everyone. That like awakening moment where you say something's, this is wrong and and I don't feel good or, or whatever it is. And I'm so happy that I got to experience that, even though it was 
painful. I mean, painful. I'm like, I'm going crazy. This isn't normal. Why do I have massive anxiety all the time? Panic attacks. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful now being on the other side that, and that's why I love doing this. I'm sure you can probably say the same thing is being yeah. able to tell someone that's listening, you're actually not crazy. And here are the things that you need to do to start feeling good. Well, I think too, you know, I'm always studying, you know, how people, when they come to me, how they are, you know, in terms of, you know, a lot of listeners in the podcast and then, um, as clients. And one of the things that's really interesting because it all comes back to self-value, we're not taught mm-hmm. self-value as children. Um, yeah. the, you know, like words like self-love self-value to me, it's like, okay, what does that even mean? Right. right, right. And, you know, and my whole thing was, I had to get out of my head and I had to get into my body and I had to learn how to actually process emotions, not mentally, but to actually allow them to be processed through me. And so when we work with people, what we find is there's a willingness and not a willingness. A lot of times people are willing up to a certain point to do work and then not take that other step. And it can take a long time. That's why like I have a year long program as an example. And the reason is and somebody said this the other day, they go, it took me eight months to be able to get in my body and feel my feelings because we are so used to being up here because we're so protective and we're always strategizing and we're not being real. A lot of your thoughts aren't real. You get into your feelings, not your reactionary feelings, not your, you know, you're mad, you're crying, um, you know, you're, you know, watching a movie, but it's to get deeper than that, get deeper than your reactions. What is going on at a deeper level that tells you what your motivation is? Cause your motivation is either intrinsic or extrinsic. And the more intrinsic it is, you're going to make better choices that are more authentic, that are going to feel good to you. And your extrinsic ones are where you're trying to either avoid punishment or you're trying to get validation. You're trying to get something from somebody else and it never feels good. Because you can be rewarded with intrinsic motivation when you're doing things that feel good because you're loving it. You're, you're loving right. the action of doing, right? right? And when you get things for that, it's like, cool, but that's not your purpose in doing it in the yeah. first place. Right. I love that. I always, when I started learning, like really practicing this stuff, I had to kind of figure out, I felt like it was like learning, what are those books um, for dummies? you know, that series, <laughs> this and this for dummies. This yeah, for dummies. Yeah. 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 I was like, because I would watch all these videos. I would read these books, listen to these blogs. And I remember in the beginning, I'm like, what the hell are these people talking about? I mean, if you have ever listened to Abraham, Abraham Hicks, for example, or Eckhart yeah. Tolle, I was like, what, what are you talking about? This doesn't make sense. You have to graduate to a certain level. Don't get me wrong in order to keep expanding your mind to like all of this. But I was trying to get to like the basics of like, all right, well, what do I have to do every single day? Like, what are little practices for you? Like, what do you tell people that I've never done any of this work? I'm in pain. Where do I even begin? Where do you kind of start people? I actually want people to take a minute a day, 30 seconds a day, set an alarm on your phone. If you have to close your eyes and get in your body. And what I mean by that is be sitting somewhere, standing somewhere, whatever, close your eyes get inside your feet. What do your feet feel like? And come up from your feet to the top of your head. This is also a way of getting rid of anxiety too, because when Mm -hmm. you get in your body and you're, you're grounding yourself in a sense, but what you're doing at the same time is you're connecting to yourself. A lot of us are looking for connection out here without being Mm -hmm. connected in here. Mm -hmm. And so to be connected inside of you, 
that develops that relationship that develops your value that helps you. And that's just like at a base foundation. There's like so many things you can do, but just start there trying to get in your body. And if you don't feel anything, because a lot of times people will do that and they'll be like, I don't feel anything because they're numb because you're so disconnected. Right. right. So you yes. have to keep doing it. And I, I always tell people as you're doing it, look for uh, where you hold pain look for where something's uncomfortable. Like a lot of times, like I'm sitting right now with my legs folded under me and I could totally ignore that. My knee hurts right now when I'm doing that, right? <laughs> so, you know, but we'll do that. I'm we'll ready to unbutton that top button if you don't. Know I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't, we'll put ourselves through pain physically yes, that we ignore. Yes. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Right. No, I know what you mean. Yes, 100%. I think, look, people are numb. They 100% are. We're not taught how to feel feelings, unfortunately. You know, when I started doing this work like over 10 years ago, it was before I had my son. My son's eight now. And I remember learning the simplest thing in terms of child development. And I wasn't learning it to become a mom. I was learning it because I was like, I kind of have to know how to take care of myself. And what I was supposed to get was mom and dad doing this. Mom and dad did their best you know, we're not here to blame anyone because you do what you know. And like, that's it. Right. So, um, but mom and dad were probably supposed to do X, Y, and Z and they didn't. And because they didn't, this has happened. This is the result of it, which is hi, I'm right here. <laughs> this is me. And what do I want to fix? Like what, what didn't I get that I should have gotten? What, what were the things, you know, that that internal voice that I have, it was supposed to sound different. And so what are the things that I was supposed to, what am I start, supposed to do every day that to take care of myself? And I don't mean like self-care, like go take a bubble bath and all that stuff. Yeah, that's uh -huh. important, but I'm talking about deeper stuff, really like that internal conversation. How do I acknowledge that voice? I always say inner child, how do I acknowledge that inner child or see that ego? And what do I do with those two parts of myself? Cause they look different. You know, one's a bully and one's angry and one wants control and the other one's sad. And the other one doesn't feel good enough. So now that I'm an adult, I am responsible for those parts of myself. They're here. They're going to be with me forever because everyone experiences fear and stress and anxiety. But what do you do with it when you experience it? And I think when you start to understand that process of what do I do with it, you don't feel as much anxiety or stress or worry. And when you do, you handle it in healthier ways. So it kind of goes away, you know, and it doesn't, it'll come up again another time, but right. you just know how to handle things and they don't take you down rabbit holes and, you know, destroy your life essentially. Um, but you know, no one sat you down, at least in my experience at five years old and allowed me to feel sad. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I want to talk to you about something really serious and probably something that a lot of people actually struggle with. Have you ever brushed your teeth only to find moments later your breath stinks again. So odds are, if this is you, you have an imbalance of both good and bad bacteria in your mouth. I had no idea. When you brush your teeth, you're actually killing off both of the good and bad bacteria from your mouth. Now what happens is they have to repopulate and usually the one that repopulates the fastest is going to be the bad bacteria. So you have to give yourself a dental probiotic to balance everything out. So every time you brush your teeth and your tongue, you plank a probiotic in your mouth and you let it dissolve. If you repeat this process for 30 days, you're basically telling your system and your body to produce good bacteria faster so it outnumbers the bad. 
If that's not enough to convince you, dental probiotics are a must-have and that you should use to fight off that bad bacteria. For a limited time, use Stephanie Lynn 20 for 20% off of Smile Brilliance Dental Probiotics and their suit of amazing dental-grade oral care products. At five years old and allowed me to feel sad. It was, you yeah. feel, you're fine. You're fine. It is what it is. You know, those are just mm-hmm. the things that were taught. And I don't think our parents meant ill will. I think they struggled with seeing their child in pain, being overworked, being exhausted, being stressed, which we all are still in this day and age as well, but they didn't have the skills to be able to deal with what it was that they were going through. And hence, you know, the dis- generational yeah. dysfunction. Yeah. I don't think they knew that. I don't no. even think it's like that. I think they just went through, okay, this is what I was taught. This is what I know. They, you know, again, self-awareness, I, I don't want to say it's relatively new because it's been around since the beginning of time, you know, in terms of people can be self-aware or not self-aware. And I just, you know, in looking at my own journey, I absolutely, there were times where I thought, oh my God, I can't feel that feeling because it's going to engulf me and I'm never going to get out of it. And that is another thing allow, you know, when you allow your feelings, you're not going to get stuck in them forever. Like you're not going to be trapped. Like, oh my God, I'm going to feel this feeling as I go to lunch today, or I'm going to, and even if you're going to feel it, you allow it when you allow your feelings, it makes a huge difference. Now, one of the things I always suggest to people is to pay attention to if they're ruminating or not, when you're ruminating on a story, right. (laughs) That's when you, Yeah, but that's when you feel like you're totally stuck in the feeling because all you're doing is through that repetition of the story and you're the character in the story, that's the victim or what have you. And, you know, that's a big part of it. A lot of us feel like victims, right? We don't want to admit it, but when you feel like things happen to you and you have no control, guess what? So you have to remember that if you can look at that story that's going on that you're ruminating on and ask, is this true? Or is there another perspective I can see? then you're going to feel differently. But if you just stay stuck in the story, you're going to, you know, feel that feeling going on, going on. You're going to go, oh my God, is it going to ever be over? And it, again, it will be over at some point, even if you choose to ruminate, but it's just the point of don't be afraid of feeling your own feelings. Yeah. Well, the rumination will call it back, but yes, eventually it will. And it's funny you say the victim thing, because I posted something yesterday on social media about not being the victim. And mm-hmm. I got a, not a lot, but a couple of messages from people saying, you know, well, you can't deny that I've gone through this or whatever that looks like. So victimness doesn't negate validation that you're in but, pain. Okay. But what is the point of that? Like when people have that kind of stuff to say, it's like, no, I want to stay a victim. And it's like, we have all had shit happen to us. Guess what? But where it is a badge, I'm limiting my happiness. And if you want to limit your happiness, then you keep wearing that as a badge. Well, and I think, you know, my take is the victims, when you are sitting in the victim state, depends on where you, where, where during that process you sit day one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might feel like a victim. You might be pissed. You might, you're going to be angry. All you're going to have all of these emotions come up. I think for me, the victim thing is I have no control. I have no control over this now. Now mm-hmm. I'm angry because you did it to me. And now I have no control. I can never feel better again. So I'm going to stay in this space. To me, that's victim. So, mm-hmm. but victim doesn't say that you need, I would say you 100% need the validation. 
But once you validate yourself, then what do you do about it? Yes, I'm in pain. Yes, this sucks and all that stuff. But then what do you do about it? If you ruminate, like you were saying, and continue the story, then the story is going to stay stuck. I always tell people when overthinking and rumination comes, ask yourself the next time it pops up, do I actually need to deal with this? Meaning, is there still pain here that I need to feel Mm -hmm. and express and soothe and and heal? Or am I in in an addiction state? And you know, you know, someone's pissed you off. You've called someone to vent about it and you, it was right in the moment of it happening. And you're like, okay, I got that out. I'm going to move on now. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, you're like, let me just see if Sue's home and I'll call her to bitch about what just happened to me. You don't need to call Sue. Now you're doing it consciously staying stuck in that experience. Yeah. But you know, it's funny too, the addiction. but you know, it's funny about that. You're reminding me of like when I worked in corporate at one point, I worked in corporate quite a few times, but I remember I would um, leave the office and I'd be in my car and I would have all this like urgent energy that I needed to get out of my body. You know, it's like, it feels physically like you need to vomit it out. Right. And so I would call my mom and I would just vent. And then I would kind of feel better. Like I get that edge off. Right. But the truth was I never, ever would change the story. I never would look at the story. I was so hell bent on just vomiting, right? To release it, which didn't really release it because my patterns, my beliefs didn't change. My story didn't change. My rules didn't change. None of the things that I would do or allow myself to experience change. Because a lot of times we are so limited in what we allow ourselves to experience that we keep experiencing the same things over and over, or we're experiencing things we don't like. And it's because you don't have any control over things out here. But yet when you're trying to, and you minimize it, you make it this little tiny little, okay, anything that fits through here can come into my life. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be sad. You're going to feel like life has passed you by instead of being courageous and living your life. I mean, to me, that was huge for me. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea that I had the choice to just let go of that, it sounds like the simplest thing in the world. And some of these things, as I learned them, I was like, this is just too simple. (laughs) You mean I just let it go? Like, what do you mean? So for me, it was easy to let it go when I said, you know what? I'm trying to manifest some good stuff. I'm trying to have a good day. I'm trying to, I was happy before. And then this happened and all of a sudden I'm not happy. So I need to go back to that. Right. So choosing me over other people and other experiences, that was like, my thing is like, okay, I'm working really hard at this and I'm feeling good. I'm having a great day. So you are not going to come into my experience and ruin that energy for me. So to me, it wasn't worth it. Now, again, if you're in pain, that's different. If you need to feel, if you need to release, if you need to whatever, just get something out hundred percent feel release, but then we have to decide to actually move on rather than staying stuck in a place. And but people me, don't like to, yeah, they don't I mean, like to. they're addicted to it. Well, it's familiar, you know, your brain yeah. is wired to what's familiar, what's comfortable, not what's happy. Your brain doesn't care if you're happy. Right. It's what do you know? And you're just going to keep experiencing the same thing because you've experienced it before. I love that you said that because it is, and for me, I didn't look at it that way, but I love the way you said that. And I hope someone really rewind this and listen to that part again, or take it as you choose you. I'm choosing me, I'm choosing my happiness 
over this situation after I've dealt with it, after I've acknowledged it, you know, scream, shouted, felt angry or whatever, after I vomited all that out and I got it out or sat in the car by myself and had that internal conversation. You don't need to call anyone and pick up the phone. You can just like <laughs> process it yourself. Oh my God, we can take care of ourselves. Um, and, and just and know and learn how to deal with it. Right. Then mm-hmm. you can just decide to actually just move on. But yeah, I think it is an addiction to want to keep going around and around. Cause I know the women yeah. in my family love to go around and around <laughs> <laughs> and I want no part of it. Um, can I ask you, what do you think has been a great accomplishment for you that you're in your life? You know, I would say a great accomplishment is that I have a sense of resiliency and tenacity and an ability to move forward. And I'm saying this with the caveat. So I used to do it like a machine and unfeeling like I could, if there was an earthquake or, you know, some natural disaster, I could be the person you'd rely on because I could be totally level-headed because I was always up here Mm -hmm. and not wanting to let the emotion in. Right. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm connected to myself and a relationship with myself and I feel good, I still move forward And I can do it in a happy way. Like I'm writing a book right now. It's called the, it's my second book. It's a 29 day solution to living your best life. No matter what the fuck is going on. Yay. I love that. And I, and I've said to people, I'm like, I'm living in the, no matter what the fuck is going on part. So, and, and what I mean by that is like, I have a lot going on right now in my life and I can make a choice. I can make a choice to just be a victim to it and go, why me? Why did this happen? you know, what, what is the deal? You know, um, instead I'm looking at it like, okay, these are the circumstances. These are the things that are happening. And I want to live my best life, no matter what the fuck is going on. And so that to me is probably my biggest achievement, even though that's not like I want an award, I've won awards, you know, but is that a big achievement? Not really, not really meaningful. Right. Right. I think no matter what the fuck is going on, I love that. I mean, it's true. And I think that is, I choose me, my happiness. And I think a lot of the stuff that we, I mean, even the little stuff, you know, like the guy flipping you off on the highway, the woman at Target that was rude. I mean, that stuff, old stuff would have just held onto that and been so it's the East coast in me, (laughs) but I love that. Now it's like, it's just, I don't think life's too short. I don't think that's the mentality. It's just, Mm-mm. I try to Mm-mm. live in small moments and I try to just go day by day. I'm human and I can go too far in the future. And I know when that starts to happen, I start to get stressed and anxious. I mean, it's right. very obvious now, whereas before right. when stress and anxiety came, I, it would just take me down a rabbit hole because I wouldn't even know how it, oh, yeah. what to yeah. do with it. Right. So yeah. I'm so aware that when I am starting to get there and I can feel it, that that's what's happening. That's what's going on in my mind. Because I mean, you know, how many thoughts a day do we have? Thousands upon thousands. So I'm not always in every moment going to be super aware that I'm doing dishes and I'm just like, oh, la, 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 worrying about something that I don't need to be worrying about until it starts to get to, I'm starting to feel stressed. I'm starting to feel anxious. So I, I, like you, always tell people, set reminders on your phone throughout the day and do check-ins. How are you feeling? Because unless you're knee deep in something, pain, stress, worry, anxiety, you oftentimes can't feel it because it's not, we have such a pain threshold to stress, worry, Mm. anxiety. So when it starts to happen, can you be aware of it? So I'm aware when it starts to happen. Whereas before 
I wasn't aware until I was like having a panic attack. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. So I'm like, wait a minute, what was just going on that led me here? And now you're so far gone that you need to do a ton of work to get yourself out of that space. So we're trying to like fix the problems before they actually become huge problems. A problem. Yeah, yeah, before they become problems. Um, but I always tell people, set reminders on your phone, check in, even if you're, okay, here's the check-in. I'm driving in the car. What's going on? How do I feel? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now. And just having that conversation with yourself is huge. I mean, that's mental health. I think so. I was talking to someone once and they said, isn't it weird to have a conversation with your, like just, I said, you're already Mm -hmm. doing it. You've always been doing it. Right, right. You just haven't been aware of who was saying what. It's so true. Um, And I find that I don't have as many conversations anymore because one of the things I do before I get out of bed is I feel my feelings, the whole body thing. I do that whole body thing, the whole body scan. But you know, what I also look at is, um, like literally this last two years of my life have been like a shit show in different ways. And I'll just mention one thing that's currently going on and I don't normally, I I bring it up, but I don't because it's kind of dramatic, Mm -hmm. but like my husband who is perfectly healthy, um, is on the list for a heart transplant and living in the hospital right now, you know? And so to me, and the reason I bring it up is I had a lot of resistance to that Mm. and I had to work through it and still move forward because you can Mm. live in limbo and you can feel like you're in a sense waiting for the heart transplant too, and put your Mm -hmm. whole life on hold. Mm -hmm. Um, and the key is it's a circumstance. Of course I care. I've had a lot of different emotions about it. And yet it's also an opportunity to grow, to grow as a couple, to grow individually, you know, and to really look at, well, what's important to me. And there's a lot of little shit that's just gone wrong, like all the time. And you're going, okay, I have a choice. I can keep reacting to this, or I can keep focusing on love because love it's either love or fear, right? If I focus on love and, and being loving, not just to myself, but to, uh, you know, everybody, as well yeah. as I can, I'm going to have yeah. a different experience, no matter what crap is happening. Right. Right. And I love I, the first word that came to mind was faith. I mean, faith, you know what I mean? Like really letting go of there's only so much control I have. So I'm going to let go and trust and believe and live and be, try to be at peace as much as I can. That's, I mean, what you're doing is it's, I, I always say the same words over and over again. People are probably tired of me saying them, sorry, but it's a practice. Mm-hmm. And don't you feel like every time you're like, I got that, then it's like the next level, the next level of the Always the next level, the always. Next level. I had a client this morning that said to me, okay, so I just, I have to learn this and then I'm good. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm like, it's forever. I'm like, just so you know, like, um, but you know, and you touched on it too. You just, you're happier, you're lighter. It's, you're still human and you still go through human things. It's just a different human experience. I think when you are on the other side and you at least know how to really love yourself and take care of yourself and understand what that word means. And I, you said that earlier, like, what does this even mean? Like self-value or self-worth and, and loving self-love, like, what does that even mean? Understanding what that meant for me and being able to teach it and verbally explain. Um, that's been the greatest joy of my life aside from my little boy. That's sweet. That's lovely. Yeah. 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 Well, 
Tracy, thank you so much for coming on. I have so enjoyed this conversation. I hope um, for all of you out there, I will link all of her information down below. Please, please go check her out, her book um, and books. Next one is coming. And I'm really excited about that one. <laughs> um, so thank you again for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I've enjoyed our conversation.